Big news. This Wellness Couch podcast is proudly brought to you by the Wellness Summit, returning this year to Melbourne on August 17 and 18. Early bird tickets and all info at thewellnesssummit.com. Welcome to Homebase Hope, all about autism, the show that invites you to think differently, inspires you to take a whole child approach, and most of all, instills hope when it comes to your child and autism. I'm your host, Rhiannon Crisp, from homebasehope.com.au. Let's get into it. Hey, hey guys, welcome back. I hope you've had a really lovely fortnight. Today, we're going to be talking all about oxidative stress and mitochondria. So if you like to nerd out on this sort of stuff, then get excited. And if you're thinking, oh, you know, this might be a little bit too heavy or it's too science-based for me, I really encourage you to stick around because you probably find that the conversation is going to be really relevant to you and we're going to make sense of it all. And to be honest, I'm going to be doing a lot of learning in this episode as well. So come and join along with me. Today, I'm going to be talking to Rhonda Muller. Rhonda is the founding director of ASD Healthy Life based here in Australia. She's a mind practitioner. She has a diploma in holistic health and nutrition and has trained with the Medical Academy of Pediatric Special Needs. Rhonda is a professional with first-hand experience. She's been where you are now. And with a combination of diet, nutritional medicine, behavioral, mainstream and natural therapies, the health and development of her whole family has improved tenfold. Welcome, Rhonda. Thank you so much for having me. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can. Yeah, wonderful. Well, I, I get used to these earbuds. They're brand, <laughs> they're brand new. They're my EMF um, earbuds. They help me from getting nuked. I love them. <laughs> oh, excellent. I didn't even yeah. know there was such a thing. Oh, yes, yes, absolutely. There's lots of, goody, lots of good things out there. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Okay, we'll have to look into that. Mm. Um, we always like to rewind the clock to start with and get a bit of an understanding of your journey and your story because I believe, was it your son who was diagnosed on the spectrum? Yes, yes. Um, we have uh, four children and um, we have two, um, two boys um, and a daughter and then the youngest came along and he was reaching all of his milestones. He was running at eight months like his two big brothers and have a chat like his big sister. Um, but his immune system never really developed. Every little thing that was going around, um, he would catch. Um, and then that um, progressed on to um, psoriasis. Um, and, yeah, I guess his, his system just was under underdeveloped. Um, at 20 months, that's when we started to notice all of the circuit breakers, for want of a better description, for want of a better word, started to just switch off so he started to lose his speech and language his fine motor skills he would only pick things up with clenched fists um he would um hold have to pretty much have identical things in his hand um so speech and language his um eye contact fine motor skills his bowel stopped working um he wouldn't do a, a, a stool movement or a poo for seven to ten days um, that pretty much then regressed into almost like a fecal gouging to to try and relieve himself which was just heartbreaking you'd walk into the room and there would just be an absolute mess everywhere um, he um, wouldn't brush his teeth we couldn't get his hair cut sensory overload um, would not come anywhere near anyone wearing buttons um, he would not wear certain fabrics. It was too irritating for him. Like it, it was past just cutting the labels off. Um, trying to get outside the front door was an absolute nightmare with three other kids trying to get them to school and, and kindy and things like that. We used to have to have earbuds in his ears. Um, he'd have a cap pulled down over his face and he would just cling to me, facing me and cling to me. Anyone that came near us, he would growl at them. Um, because he was just so overwhelmed. Um, he um, then started to um, have seizures. Um, that was very, very scary. He would bash his head with his fist and that progressed to sitting in the corner, bashing his head on the ground, spinning round and round in circles, eyes looking out the corner, you know, of his eyes and, and just humming, mm, spinning round and round. Um, so back then, um, I hadn't gone down the avenue of, of training. I was actually a, a small business coach, marketing, things like that. That was my gig. 
working from home, supporting the, um, the family. And um, so for me, this was like absolutely scary. You know, I, I was very overwhelmed. I did not know what was going on. Um, us girls, nothing against the guys, but us girls, we do better research than the FBI. And when I was constantly going from doctor to practitioner to specialist asking what is going on, what about this, what about that, they just kept saying, oh, perhaps, you know, perhaps you should do a parenting course, Rhonda, and, you know, he's got some behavioural concerns and here's some antidepressants, Rhonda, because you need to calm down. And it, it was like, well, you know, the red wine and chocolate's working so far, guys. Yes, sure, my butt is growing, but it makes my waist look really small. I, I kind of just felt that I was hitting brick wall after brick wall. I wasn't, I wasn't getting the support that I needed and I certainly was not getting answers. It was just constantly a script. Here's a script for everything, for, you know, his, his skin pro, um, problems, etc. cetera. Um, so I, I kind of felt that I had to put, my bitch face on to be heard and that's really draining you know for fam for families to feel that they have to battle the system to be heard that was really stressful for me um and i'm i'm a, a positive person you know the glass is kind of half full and me going in saying okay well you know we're, we're going to be okay was not getting me anywhere so eventually we finally got a diagnosis after me taking one step forward and three steps back because the specialist pretty much kept saying it was all in my head we finally got a diagnosis in may 2008 that he was pretty much severely autistic and he would end up in a special school and there wasn't a great deal that we could do and and when i started to ask about food you know things like that they said oh look really honestly there's no research out there a lot of time and effort a lot of money for no real results and i was really taken aback by that and and i guess um you know, I'm really, really grateful to my mother saying, Rhonda, you know, you, you always ask 118 million questions. You always said, but why? But why? And I'm really pleased that I continued that and I, I did not listen to them because if I did, I don't know where we would be today. So fast forward, he is now in year eight, um, does not need any support. He's absolutely gorgeous, of course. I, you know, he takes after his daddy. Um, but yeah, no support whatsoever. And I am not here to talk about cures or, you know, mitigate disease or, or anything like that. The reason that I got into what I do is to try and help people to heal from the inside out so we can really identify exactly what's going on and help people to reach their true potential. So um, May 2015, on our actual wedding anniversary, um, the paediatrician said, well, Rhonda, he does not actually fit into the criteria of autism spectrum anymore. So he doesn't, he doesn't tick the boxes anymore. Um, that, like I said, that was not our goal. I just wanted my baby boy back because we nearly lost him twice. It was major inflammation of the brain, encephalitis or encephalitis, depends on where you are on the planet. Um, and that's really scary to think that, you know, your older children are going to be responsible for raising their younger sibling because he, you know, he was severely autistic. So that was my driving force. I wanted to know why and how I could heal my baby. Mm. What an incredible story. And what you said when you said parents, particularly the mamas, are better detectives than the FBI. I, that is so true. I see and I talk to so many parents out there who are doing everything in their power, staying up till midnight, 2am, doing the research, um, doing heaps of different therapies, doing anything they possibly can to help their child because some of the behaviours that they're seeing you know, are destructive and they're not health promoting. So, um, yeah, definitely. It's, I'd like to ask, what age was your son diagnosed? Yeah, just before his third birthday. Before his third birthday. Okay. And yeah. then, um, and then, so you started lots of different intervention strategies. Yes, absolutely. So the first, um, the first avenue we took was what was recommended by the, by the specialists and we started to implement speech therapy, occupational therapy. Um, but what I found was that, and we were living in Sydney at that time, our home was um, uh, just south of Townsville, backed onto a national park, pristine acreage. And we moved to Sydney, which we absolutely loved. It was like a working holiday for my husband with a two-year contract. Um, but 
the stress of going from, you know, one therapist to another really actually made his condition worse. So we then, um, we found some beautiful, beautiful OTs and speeches and they would come to our home, um, excuse me, which was still really helpful. But again, he was stressed. And so when he was stressed, that would stress me out. Um, and yeah, it then affected the whole family. You know, I, I saw somewhere the statistics, it's 80% divorce rate in the disability sector. And I can totally understand that. My husband and I have been best friends since we were 11. And if he was not my best friend, you know, we're country people, I think I probably would have dropped, kicked him out the door because it was so, so hard, so challenging. But getting back to the therapies, I found that that was just stressing him out. And um, so what I really focused, I actually stopped that for a little while. I stopped that for about probably two to three months um, and which was really tormenting for me. Am I doing the right thing? Um, but we then focused on nutritional therapy. And to me, nutritional therapy is the foundation. It's the foundation to to heal from the inside out. And it's a bit like if, you know, if we've won gold lotto and us girls, we're, you know, bought this beautiful block of land somewhere in Newcastle, you know, near Newcastle, overlooking the ocean or whatever it might be. That's your area down there. It's just a dream of mine to have a little place down there. Um, or Tilba Tilba, you know, those areas, beautiful. Um, but if we, us girls, you know, we, we're pouring the concrete slab. I'm not an engineer, Rhiannon, I'm pretty sure you're not either, darling, but we're, you know, we're pretty handy women. And it might look good from the outside, but structurally, we then put, you know, engage builders to come in and build the beautiful house that we want. The windows aren't going to close properly. The doors aren't going to close properly. That, that to me, is building all the therapies upon that dodgy slab. Does that make sense? Mm, absolutely. And so once we start to get those foundations strong and solid by identifying what's underlying, removing what's harming, replenish with what's going to heal on, a, on an individual level, on a bio-individual level, then all the therapies that we start to put on top, like the OTs and the speeches and whether it's uh, neurofeedback or um, ABA or uh, music therapy or move to learn, all these other beautiful modalities, our babies are actually then more capable of retaining those tools and strategies and putting them into place. So it makes you, you guys look like absolute bloody legends. Do you know what I mean? Because our babies are then healthy enough to be able to grasp a hold of those tools and strategies and actually run with it. And, and that's pretty much what my logo is. It's like a little person with wings. So our babies reach their true potential. And that's all we ever want as parents as parents, we just want the best for our babies. So, yeah, that's that's the therapies that I actually did, but I got the nutritional therapy down first. Um, we actually left Sydney um, and we moved back to Townsville because they had a full-time intensive early intervention outcome unit there called AEIOU. Um, I'm not sure if you've got them in New South Wales now. You do? Fantastic. Um and that was where we walked in pretty much the loopy ones doing the nutritional therapy, food as medicine, um, supplementations, vitamins, minerals, essential fatty acids. Um, we walked in there, severely autistic, where, you know, he was sitting in the corner, bashing his head on the ground, stimming constantly. Um, and six hours a day, five days a week for two years straight, he pretty much walked out of there nearly 100% prep ready from a little boy that was so just, you know, not not messed up, but just, you know, for want of a better, you know, our problem child. Do you know what I mean? I say that with love. But, you know, he was our main focus. And just to have that, that reassuring opportunity that he was going to be okay in prep, he still needed, you know, the support speech and occupational therapy. We were doing music therapy, piano, you know, guitar, because girls like rock stars, mummy. It's like, of course, darling, you know. Um, but, yes, those therapies were really, really starting to work and really help, yeah. Mm. Amazing. And your understanding of autism has probably changed so much from when you were first handed that diagnosis to how you understand it today. Absolutely, absolutely. And it is something that I'm very passionate about, something that I do specialise in now because, you know, professional with first-hand experience, there's nothing anyone could ever say or do that would shock me because... I've been there. Um, but, yeah, to me, autism is a whole body 
condition. Um, some call it a disorder. It depends on your terminology. Um, but it is very, very complex. And what I find is that there's lots of underlying, often unidentified um, conditions. So we've got, you know, inflammation, oxidative stress, micro, um, the gut flora, microbiome imbalances, nutrient deficiencies, mitochondria, um, digestive, so food sensitivities where you're not breaking things down properly, and definitely immune dysregulation. Um, Every, like you know, like we've said, um, every every person is unique, and that's that's why I, I went off and actually studied with the um, the Bio Individual um, Institute of Nutrition because it is not a one size fits all. Um, so, and and autism is something that I definitely um, studied further along there, as well as the Medical Academy of Pediatric Special Needs in America, and Biobalanced Mind. They all get it. They all understand it's not a one size fits all, um, but it's environment, you know, epigenetics. That is something that is really coming across. So, um, environment like you and I, Rhiannon, we could be identical twins, but depending on our environment, um, you know, our medications that we've had, um, things like that. As we as we grow and develop, we move out of home. Um, the stress factors that we have in our lives, whether we're in a good relationship, personal relationship, our jobs. Um, what we're washing ourselves in, you know, the chemicals that we're using in our home, what we're washing our clothes in, what our clothes are actually treated with, you know, the flame retardants, things like that, um, the air that we breathe, um, uh, where we're living on the planet, uh, the water we drink, uh, are we constantly being nuked by Wi-Fi, you know, the electromagnetic frequencies, the radiation. Yeah, it's it's. It's lots and lots of different things. So, um, but it's really, really crucial to try and, you know, identify what's going on. And often that's not done until we actually have, you know, um, specific biomedical testing. So, um, you know, blood serum, blood plasma, urine, stool analysis, really to identify the bio-individual needs. And then that's, that's when you can actually start to put a plan in place and do little bits at a time to you know to reach your true potential and, and your goals because it's not about us as um you know integrative holistic practitioners obviously you know we we just want the best for our, our the families that we work with but it's really about your goals or the goals of a carer the parent of what it is that you're trying to achieve yeah mm. so coming back to the identical twins that you mentioned say if there were identical twins and one twin lived a really super healthy life and another twin was surrounded by toxicity like you said a lot of infections pollutions um not worried about the emf exposures or what they're putting into and onto their body how does this change their genome and their genetics yeah, absolutely. So, you know, in regards to free radicals, oxidative stress and things like that, but just if I can sort of go back a bit, in regards to, um, you know, you, you could have an identical twin, we all have uh, obviously genes, yeah? But, for example, um, like in my family, um, my husband's side of the family, celiac disease is, is very, very strong. So if you've got the celiac gene, and most practitioners, most doctors don't actually test for celiac um, the celiac gene, which personally I find a bit frustrating um, because it's not necessarily meaning that you're going to develop celiac disease, but it's a bit like, you know, epigenetics. If, you're, if you've got the celiac gene and you can continue to eat gluten, you're loading that gun. You're, you p potentially have an opportunity to develop that disease, to trigger, to turn that gene on. And is that, is that something that we want to do? So that, that, you know, that's where we come in regards to our genome, you know, switching good genes on, switching bad genes off. We have more control of all of that now. But in regards to also going back, for example, I'm Eastern European Jewish and we're Holocaust survivors. So that in itself, in regards to epigenetics, that stress factor that my my um, ancestors ancestors endured is actually being passed down through our generations, and I can't recall. Don't quote me whether it was seven or ten generations before that starts to peter out. But then we've also got our environment right now that can also impact on our on our genetic as well. So, um, and unfortunately, you know, our environment's not the best at the moment. But yeah. 
in regards to oxidative stress, you know, um, I didn't even know what oxidative stress was until I started to study back in 2009, really threw myself into studies because, like I said, you know, ask 118 million different questions and I had why, but why is this happening? Um, so oxidative stress, I guess, is um, a really good way of explaining is just we have rusting of the cells. It's a bit like um, steel to oxygen, you know, it rusts. Aluminium, like my husband, metallurgy, this is his gig. Um, but, you know, aluminium as well, you know, it corrodes. It's, it's a bit like we cut an apple in half and you can start to see it browning. You know, that's, that's oxidising. So, and that, that's pretty much where I guess um, our cells, they also rust too. So it's, it's you often see some people, um, they tend to age a lot faster than some people. They get, you know, really wrinkles, ageing really quickly. They get sick really easily. That's the cellular damage and then, you know, cell death. So that that's pretty much, um, I guess, what we call um, where the free radicals are really starting to take over and, and that is oxidative stress. So where you have a cell and it's actually exposed to environmental factors, the free radicals are little bits where the cell's actually breaking down and they break off free radicals and and they stress out the rest of our of our cells and but they also rob other cells of oxygen um so in other words you know free radicals are the bad guys yeah we need to everyone has it there's no way that we can actually um avoid it because it's the natural aging process we get that from just the oxygen that we breathe as soon as our first breath and when we're born as soon as we suckle from the breast you know, the first food, that that's the ageing process. But, and, and, and they're pretty much what we call, you know, um, just our endogenous and internal free radicals. But then we also have exogenous free radicals. So they're the external, our environment. So, um, you know, ex excessive exposure to UV rays, you know, pollution, smoking, um, you know, unhealthy diet, you know, processed foods, uh, pretend foods, as my kids used to call it when they were little. Um, excessive exercise, you know, I've got um, a lot of families come to me, they're really sport people and that's how they monitor or, or control their stress or their, their aggression because they go off and go to the gym and, and work themselves into the ground so they actually feel better. But that too creates extra free radicals and oxidative stress. Um, even certain medications um, the water that we drink, you know, the fluoride, the chlorine, herbicides, pesticides, fungicides, whenever we fill up the car, um, it sounds all doom and gloom, I know, but it's, it's not because we can actually take control of everything back of what we're doing. But these free radicals create oxidative stress. And um, I, I guess the big factor is, is that it's inflammation. So we all have inflammation in the body. And that's just a given. You know, whenever we get a virus or bacteria, you know, cold and flu, we get a temperature, etc. you know, um, bruising, things like that, inflammation, swelling. That's perfectly fine. But when we have it consistently, that's when it creates disease and, and, and poor health. So rather than, you know, you go back to the science lab instead of a little Bunsen burner, you know, the little pilot light in, the, in our oven or something like that, Instead of that, most of us have a flamethrower and we, it's really, really important that we're bringing that, that inflammation down. Does that make sense? It does. And so do most kids on the spectrum have these oxidative stress issues? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I guess, you know, some people will say, well, you know, ox oxidative stress, et cetera, you know, um, that's where often um, like, you know, Dr. Bill Walsh from um, America, Dr. Elizabeth, Elizabeth Mumper, Julie Buckley, all of these um, spectacular, you know, gurus of, of um, pediatricians and GPs, etc. They walk into the room and all of us practitioners bow down, you know, like they're absolute gurus. And as soon as I started to study back in 2009, they were saying oxidative stress and mitochondria, we need to get on top of it. Oxidative stress, for autism, in regards to, um, you know, therapies, they often say, well, you know, vitamin C and all of these things to help reduce um, the, um, the inflammation and the oxidative stress. We need, you know, we, we have, we're all born with natural um, anti-inflammatories, 
or uh, sorry, um, anti antioxidants, and there is what we call our internal internal um, antioxidants. And what that often um, means is that um, I guess how do I put it? We we have we have all of these as a, as a basis, but certain things actually break them down. So um, we have um, SODs, which is superoxide uh, dismutase catalase glutathione. So I'm not sure. Um, have you have you heard much of um, glutathione? I have. Yes, we haven't spoken about it on the podcast yet, though. Okay. All right. So glutathione is our is the mother of all antioxidants. Yeah. And we actually make that ourselves. But certain medications, for example, um, and there's research on this, so it's not me speaking out of turn, glutathione is severely depleted by paracetamol. Yep. Paracetamol severely depletes the glutathione. And we're always, um, it's, it's, you know, freely given to our babies to help them through teething, um, any kind of temperatures, colds and flus, but that severely depletes our glutathione. But there's a lot of other things that deplete the glutathione as well in regards to all of the you know, exogenous forms of the free radicals and oxidative stress. So we've got all these beautiful natural antioxidants, but they're depleted, okay? And unfortunately, when glutathione is depleted in our body, we, we cannot make them ourselves, we, we can't, well, we can make them, but when they're already depleted, it's hard to get them back up. So, for example, for us to get our antioxidants up and going using food alone, we did, we did this um, exercise um, probably last year, I think it was. We would need like six kilos of blueberries. Now, I don't know about you, Rihanna, but I personally like blueberries. It's one of the, you know, the, on the dirty dozen. You, we've got foods, you know, it's, we're not talking a Clint Eastwood here, although I know I'm showing my age here. Most people wouldn't even know what I'm talking about. It's a movie called The Dirty Dozens, uh, Dirty Dozen. But I'm talking about food, you know, the Clean 15 and the foods that are most sprayed with herbicides, fungicides, pesticides. Blueberries are definitely up there. Try and buy organically. I can I cannot afford to buy six kilos of blue organic blueberries to consume every day. Um, Eighty-seven glasses of red wine. Now you know, unless we're um, you know alcoholics, I do like my red wine. Antioxidants, you know, all in in moderation. But I think we would pretty much be needing you know shares in Uncle Dan Dan Murphy's you know to be able to to afford that. Um, One hundred and twenty vitamin C tablets a day. And that can be problematic by itself in regards to oxalates. That's a totally different podcast. Um, but oxalates, they can create, um, you know, pain and there's also, um, they, they can actually stop us from um, uh, building up our beneficial bacteria, a whole host of things, um, or 375 oranges a day. So that's the kind of stuff that we would need to consume on a daily basis to try and get our antioxidants you know, to, to wipe out free radicals. And food only is one-to-one -one ratio to wipe out the, the, the free radicals that we get. So that's why we, we would have to consume so much. Um, but, yeah, maybe, you know, even dark chocolate. I think most girls, you know, we love our, our chocolate, uh, but I think we'd have to have like a kilo of dark chocolate. Um, really, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's just not sustainable. Yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so really what we're want, wanting to try and do is switch on our own good genes to work properly again. Okay, and so for the parents who are listening in now, what is the best way to go about this? Obviously, you've spoken all about the lifestyle factors. So is it, you know, eating good food, everything that you spoke about, reducing EMF exposures, pretty much just living a healthy lifestyle, getting more sleep, um, reducing any stresses in and around the house, um, incorporating more movement into the day are these the things that we're talking about to help uh, reduce this oxidative stress yes absolutely however there's also certain um supplementation that is on the market so um more than happy for for people to you know go back to their practitioner their especially you know their integrative um practitioners whether they've trained with bio, mind or biobalance um, MAPS, which is the Medical Academy of Pediatric Special Needs, or even if they want to um, shoot me a message. But there's a lot of research, and the buzzword at the moment is sulforaphane. I'm not sure if have you heard of that in regards to broccoli sprouts and things like that. So um, you've got that, and um, I think they'll even be talking about that at um, Mind 
um, conference this year. Uh, they'll be having guest speakers talking about that. So, you know, broccoli sprouts, kale, um, high antioxidant foods, and that is fantastic. But there's also another one out there um, that is an NRF2 activator. Okay, and you know, in regards to, I have to just make sure that people are understanding that there's whatever um, supplements that I'm putting forward. There's no claims to curing or mitigating disease or or anything like that. I just want to put that out there. This is just something that I pass on to my families to let them know what I personally use as my family, but also what is the research is talking about. So NRF2 activation. If you go through PubMed. So uh, everyone's familiar with PubMed. It's where pretty much all the doctors go for their, their library in regards to research. Um, and NRF2 activation, it is absolutely amazing. So there is a supplement out there called ProTandem and it is an NRF2 activator. And it is, it is reducing oxidative stress by a minimum of 40% in one month. It's all evidence-based. There's 24 peer-reviewed studies on it, um, just like sulforaphane. You know, there's lots of buzzwords around that. So um, it reduces your oxidative stress by 40% in one month. It also increases glutathione by 300% in 120 days. It's approved by the TGA, which is the Therapeutic Goods Administration, and it's also approved by the FDA over in America. So, you know... Go into PubMed and, and just put in there oxidative stress and protanum. Go in and, and do oxidative stress and autism, um, you know, cancer, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's. Oxidative stress is just, it crosses so many different avenues. So I think, yes, answer, long story cut short, it's really, really important that we eat well, okay? We go from crappy to happy. Get rid of the pretend foods and eat whole foods that are okay for your, you know, your genetic profile. Nutrigenomics is massive and that's why I've gone down nutritional therapy because it's not a one-size-fits-all. Food that could be okay for you, Rhiannon, could actually be problematic for me. So absolutely, clean environment and just trying to work out, unfortunately, food is not enough to reduce the oxidative stress, the free radicals. Mm. And oxidative stress can actually contribute to mitochondrial damage, can't it? And that's Abs our next topic. So Absolutely. let's dive into that. What, yes. first of all, what is what are the mitochondria? Okay, so mitochondria is pretty much like our 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 battery, our our suit. It, it's a bit like the Energizer Bunny. Okay, we have mitochondria cells in every single cell in our body, and some cells um, like the heart have you know probably up to five to twenty different mitochondria cells. So the reason, and again, this I, I was learning about this back in two thousand and nine, and the supplementation that my, you know, that we've been doing for my son has been addressing the oxidative stress in the mitochondria for years. But in saying that, um, the reason it really sparks my interest is because us, as me, as as a primary care, my husband had to work away so we could afford all the therapies and all the food and the supplementation, etc. Because you know it's just not funded. Um, so I was burning the candle at both ends. I ended up with adrenal fatigue, you know, looking after four kids as well as my father-in-law, triple bypass, you know, um, six strokes, everything. We lived on acreage. Um, it, it was just it was just too much. My husband ended up having to take six months off work to come back and help care for me because it just burnt out. So that adrenal fatigue, me doing my supplements and eating clean and everything like that was just managing, okay, my, my energy my energy levels and I'd feel good and then I'd go off and do something and then I'd crash again yeah same with my son even though we're we're addressing the oxidative stress in the mitochondria he is an absolute supreme athlete trust me he doesn't get that from me he gets it from his daddy um and we don't tell daddy that though because <laughs> he's got way too many trophy cabinets as it, as it is um but for, for our son, you know, he missed out on state champions for running by 0 0.04 of a second last year. And he would just push through the fatigue. And he would get through all that, you know, rugby league, rugby union, whatever he was doing. He's just a natural. But after those competition days, he seriously, he would be in bed for like two to three days, absolutely spent. And that is mitochondria. Okay, so mitochondria, it's, it's pretty much, we have several thousands of mitochondria cells and it's, you know, muscle cells, they need a lot of energy. So they, they, they have to have loads of mitochondria. 
and it's definitely damaged by free radicals or oxidative stress. And I guess the way to look at it is that they're like um, mini cyclones inside our cells, um, impacting on our metabolism and our energy. So often what I often find, especially in mums that come to me, that, you know, they're coming to me about little Johnny um, or, you know, little Sarah or whoever, I always focus on them because if the carer breaks, the whole family's going to break. Speaking from experience. Yeah. Um, and, and that's why it's really, I'm really passionate about passing my knowledge on to the people I work with so they don't go through the same, you know, nightmare that we went through. It was, it was hell on wheels. Um, so what we need to do is obviously increase that cellular energy. And um, when we do that, it improves, you know, our sleep quality, the cognitive brain function. Um, you know, a lot of families, you know, they might have their kids on Ritalin or things like that, those stimulants, because, you know, they, they, they can't focus. There's no organisation. Mitochondria really impacts on that as well. Um, but also in regards to um, um, our immune system, um, just our, our ability to have the drive and the motivation. So mitochondria is pretty much, you know, full on. It's our energy, 95% of our energy is produced by the mitochondria. Hmm. And so again, it does. I want to ask, um, so kids on the spectrum, are they more likely to have mitochondrial problems than the general population? Yeah, look, personally, I just think um, autism is definitely up there. I I don't just put oxidative stress and mitochondria down just to autism. Um, I, I I always look at it that everybody on the planet, whether it's a human or an animal, um, has going to is going to have these conditions. So um, I, you know, I guess it comes down to you know um, just going back to your practitioner and saying, okay, well, we need to we need to investigate this. And how is that done? Is that something that can be easily looked into? Yeah, so oxidative stress, inflammatory markers, um, a blood draw called T-bars is also something that they can look into. Most doctors don't really fully understand what it is, though. Um, So I guess the way that I look at it is that, you know, is it going to be really super stressful to get a blood draw for for your baby, for your for your child? If if so, let's just let's just pretty much focus on reducing the oxidative stress and improving the mitochondria. That's the way I look at it. There's you know there's lots of different ways that we can do it. Mm-hmm. And how do we go about improving or feeding this mitochondria? Yeah, so very very similar in regards to um, supplementation. So there's certain um, supplementation in regards to um, there's uh, quercetin, uh, which is a beautiful, beautiful supplement. There's a lot of research coming through in regards to quercetin for um, anaphylaxis. It helps to reduce it. Um, there's also um, alpha-lipoic acid. Um, there's um, acetyl um, carnitine. Um, there's, yeah, so it's something that there, there are supplementations out there that are already formulated. Um, and if anyone's wanting more information, give us a call at, at the end of this or go back to your practitioner because they will know. Mm, fantastic. So much information there. That is amazing. Um, and it is certainly, like you said, coming back to that epigenetics, looking at what is going on in the lifestyle is really important because that is the building blocks. That is the building block. So once you have this down pat, you know, therapies and the improvements that you start to see in therapy um, are going to be a lot more progressive. You're going to see a lot more change in that. Absolutely. And it's taking taking the power back, you know, us actually making sure that we're, we're taking, and I know holistic is actually used a lot these days, but that holistic integrative approach is absolutely vital. You know, we as parents, we need a soft place to fall, but we need to be able to get into front of practitioners that just get it. You know, don't waste your time, your money or, you know, your emotional exertion on on working with people that just don't get it, that haven't, haven't you know, done the training or haven't had the experience themselves. Um, you know, that integrative approach. So, for example, you know, where I personally, I refer my clients out to people like yourself, Rhiannon, and OTs and speeches. And so we come back together to actually have that union. So we've got just the best interest of the people in mind Mm. and and it just makes it so much easier 
Mm, and I'm all for that, Rhonda. I think these days we've got too many professionals working in their individual silos and not enough professionals coming together and saying, look, you know, I don't know it all, but together as a collective, everyone has a piece. Everyone has something to offer. There is value in everyone's perspective. And at the end of the day, it's working out what is going to be the best fit for your child. Because as you said, there is not a one size fits all approach. There's no cookie cutter approach to the complexities of autism. We need to be looking at that individual at the bio individual level, what they need socially, emotionally, physically, physiologically, biologically, you know, all these different things we need to start looking at. And it's the answer isn't going to come from one professional or one way of thinking. I think it's really integrating everything and working together and working out what your child needs because we can have two kids on the spectrum and they will be polar opposites, but they'll have the same diagnosis, but they will need very different approaches. So I think... We need Absolutely. to be mindful of that. Yeah, and and you know, like um, whatever whatever works for you. If if medication is something that's going to help you get through, like a prescription, go for it. Seriously, um, because then if if you're wanting to go down the natural, <clears throat> excuse me, natural holistic approach, that's fine. You will get there. It's just doing little bits at a time. Okay, because rather than just surviving, we all just we want to thrive. Like, and you know, like whether you're wanting to do essential oils or um, what, whatever it may be, rescue remedy, like you know, like uh, um, whatever, bark flower essence. If it, if that's going to help you get through, then I say go for it. Um, it's it's not a one size fits all. Just do what feels good for your family. Mm, that's right, and I think. More than anything, parents need to trust their gut instinct because they will come across a lot of conflicting ideas and perspectives um, and it's about what resonates with them and what is really realistically working for their child. So, um, you know, it might be working, ABA might be working for little Johnny but it's not going to work for Timmy down the street, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's really coming together, working out what works for your child. Yeah, that's it. I totally agree. Awesome. Um, how can so you run a practice, but it is online, so anyone can access your services. Is that right? Yes, that's right. That's right. I used to have a clinic in Mackay. We were there. I had the clinic um, for five years in Mackay, um, and um, when we left, we moved to the Sunshine Coast in um, December 2016, um, and now I just do online. So FaceTime, Skype, uh, phone appointments. Um, it, on the bucket list um, is doing group workshops again like I used to have in the clinic in Mackay because we used to have speeches and OTs and used to have breakout rooms for um, networking for mums that just need to come and have a cup of tea while they vent. <laughs> um, so, um, but, yes, that's that's something that I support. Um, once, if anyone here watch is watching today is absolute guru in, you know, like setting things on up on online, please call me because, you know, my eldest is um, is 28 this year and, you know, um, he's right in saying, oh, you're old and mouldy because I, <laughs> I am when it comes to technology. I do need some support in that area. But, yeah, online is definitely something I'm wanting to do. Um, I do love doing group workshops like in person as well, so that's something that I will be doing again on the Sunshine Coast, um, especially, you know, um, the one-on-one, you know, one one on one, but also the one oh one autism. Like pretty much what I've learned throughout my whole journey in regards to autism. But how the first things that we can do. What what are the first things that we can start to do? Whether it, you're looking at a diagnosis or whatever it might be. So, but yeah, I work with women and children. Um, nothing against the guys. I've been doing this for quite a while, and I've only really probably had five men that have approached me to do that support. Um, but women and children. And I, my passion is paediatric special needs and my absolute love is autism. Mm, yeah. I can tell. I can tell. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, so what is the best way to get in contact with you, Rhonda? What is your uh, website and social media accounts? Yeah, sure. So um, the website is asdhealthylife.com.au or one word, ASD Healthy Life. Same with um, the Facebook um, I think my daughter has set up an Instagram. I have no idea. I do apologise. Like I said, call me if you're <laughs> tech savvy. Um, so it is something that I will be getting into. But, yeah, um, jump onto those um, 
onto the website. There's also um, an opportunity for anyone that's interested. I do um, provide a 30-minute free in, in intro appointment, like an initial appointment. So if you, you know, you want to just discuss what your um, goals are, your concerns are, and maybe learn a little bit more about how I can support you, that, that is um, on the website. Just go to the contact and, and then just schedule a day and a time that suits, suits you and we can go from there. Mm-hmm. Um, or message me via Facebook um, or send them, you know, give me a call. Mm, fantastic. Old school. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And so we do have some international listeners as well. So that is something that they'd be able to access. So um, absolutely. And and the feedback that I get from the families that I work with is that if they're having a really bad day, and trust me, we all have them, um, they can be doing it from the comfort of their home in their pajamas. Uh, having a cup of tea or having a glass of wine, whatever works for them at the time, um, you don't need to go anywhere. And um, for for my appointments, especially for my comprehensive health assessment appointments, um, I don't like to have the children anywhere near us during that time because I need to hear the good, bad and the ugly. And in order for to find out where you've been, where you are now and what your goals are, we really need to be very open and upfront. Um, and my goal is to give your babies wings to fly. So they don't need to hear any of that. Mm. So it Absolutely. can often be, you know, done really easily while they're at school or at childcare. Um, we can just have a chat. Yeah. yeah. Okay, let's head to the five rapid fire questions as we start to wrap things up. So number one, what is one habit that parents can implement today? Yeah, um, find your tribe. That's the big thing I can say. Find people who will lift you up and support you and won't won't diss what you're doing. Um, anyone that mocks or anything that you're doing, they really they don't, they don't have your best heart, you know, best um, at at heart. Um, find professionals who will think outside the box, who have that training, um, and even even better if they have that first-hand experience because there's a lot of well-meaning practitioners out there. We don't get into this field of work unless we want to help people. Um, but unless unless they've experienced it, um, you know, it's like the GAPS diet. I've studied the GAPS diet and um, that can be really challenging for some families. So, you know, it's it's about finding what's going to work for you um, and someone to hold your hand every step of the way. Yeah. Absolutely. You need a cheerleader. You need someone in your corner. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah. <laughs> Number two, what do people never ask you that you wish they did? Um, should I focus on my health as the carer? Because, like I said, everyone comes to me about um, little Johnny or or they come to me when they're broken. I really say prevention is the best thing. So, um, yeah, be prepared if when you come to me, the mums or the dads, if, they, if you're the primary carer, my focus will be not only on little Johnny but also on you, making sure that you can, you, you're going to be right for the battle, that you can advocate on behalf of your babies and you can then become the healer. Mm, yeah number three what book would you recommend that all parents read uh okay so one of my i've got so many um it's hard that was really hard but i guess um if i had to break it down to two jenny mccarthy's books in regards to autism that was the first thing one of my girlfriends actually put me onto jenny mccarthy when we were trying to go down the avenue of a diagnosis the other one is um, Dr. William Walsh from America, Nutrient Power, Heal Your Biochemistry and Heal Your Brain. It is absolutely amazing. Julie Buckley, Dr. Julie Buckley also has some fantastic books. There's just, yeah, Dr. Um, Martha Herbert. Yeah, just too many, too many. I know, I know. And the collection just keeps growing, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> Number four, what is one of your top unfinished bucket list items? Um, I guess, you know, doing that online stuff is something that I'm really wanting to do. But um, I've started to tour, do a lot of um, info sessions around um, Queensland just recently. Um, and, yeah, so on the bucket list is, is to get around to Australia, get around to the world to let people know um, that there is hope out there. And um, a diagnosis doesn't need, necessarily mean a bad thing. Um, it's all about you know, healing from the inside out 
And we're not about trying to cure or change anyone. It's just about trying to make sure that, um, yeah, we we just reach our potential. It doesn't matter mm. what, what it looks like for as long as we're healthy and happy. That's mm. all it is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the last question, number five, if you could only offer one piece of advice to parents, what would it be? Be open. Be open, be proactive. Um, there was There's a doctor in 1840 in Austria, Dr. Um, Semmelweis, I think is how we pronounce it. Um, he was absolutely crucified. He lost his profession as a doctor because he suggested that other doctors wash their hands with soap. He was crucified. He lost absolutely everything. So... Just be open, people. Really be open. Um, you know, ask other people. Get onto um, social networks and and ask the questions. Find out if anyone shoots you down really quickly, that platform's not for you. Absolutely, and it comes back to what you said earlier: is find your tribe and just being open minded about the different possibilities out there. And there is hope. And I love that you are spreading this awareness and your light and your wisdom and your background story it's amazing thank you so much thank you for the invitation i've been i've been following you for a while and i think you're doing fabulous amazing things you should be very proud of yourself we're all proud of you oh thank you so much Rhonda. and you are amazing too i am just incredibly blown away with your knowledge on everything you know back to it you know you're a mum who has had this lived experience and this is what has motivated you and there'll be so many other mums out there listening to this today who are yeah going through a very similar journey so yeah yeah thank you yeah just the mums get get your health on check um and really address your mitochondria my my energy levels are now back to when i was in my 20s so trust me if i can do it and i used to be the packet queen four ingredient girl um you know um my husband's a brilliant cook that's why i married him (laughs) but if i can do it anyone can do it it's all good take care thanks Wanda. you're welcome bye thank you so much guys for tuning in today i really hope that parts of the episode resonated with you but more importantly i hope that you feel inspired to take action from home base If there is someone who you know who would benefit from this podcast, please share it with them. Now, I love connecting with you all. So if you head on over to Facebook and Instagram, you can find me there. All you have to do is search Homebase Hope. Now, if you subscribe to this podcast by heading to iTunes and hitting the subscribe button, every fortnight you will get an instant notification of the latest interview. And if you do love the show, then please leave a five-star review because this will help more people discover us and it will help us inspire more positive change in people living on the spectrum. So until next time, I encourage you to open your mind, respect the differences and above all, believe that you can make a difference from home base. See you soon, guys. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.